every incentive in the world to keep themselves in power. And the response of both them out in November seems to me just like a fatal misalignment of threat plus appropriate response. Welcome to episode 15 of Inside Without Now, a podcast hosted by volunteers with RefuseFascism.org. I'm Sam Goldman, one of those volunteers and host of the show. We're coming to you in the aftermath of the Republican National Convention and the huge, historic, get your knee off our necks march in DC on Friday. The RNC this year was a full-on celebration of Trump's power with very little pretense that his regime represents anyone other than white supremacists. This week, we've seen the stark contrast between two futures juxtaposed sharply from athletes of all backgrounds refusing to play sports while black people continue to be gunned down by police, issuing beautiful and moving heartfelt statements appealing to humanity, to the crowds of people who have taken to the streets day after day in small town Kenosha, Wisconsin, after Jacob Blake was cruelly shot in the back while his little children watched to the people murdered by a brainwashed Trump-supporting 17-year-old. Do I even need to say that he's white? While attempting to disarm him there in Kenosha. To the diverse crowds in the streets of DC on the night Trump accepted the Republican nomination. And the wretched, fear-mongering sellers of hate who spoke every night this week about their undying loyalty to Trump and to the vicious, misogynist, xenophobic, white supremacist program he is hammering into place. We cannot continue this way, and Trump knows it too. I want to be blunt. People who are ridiculing Trump without understanding the danger are contributing to the problem we're in. People celebrating the idea that soon will be out of office are not reckoning with the very reality under our noses right now, that his regime and his people are working to steal the election and are making a grave mistake. We will all pay for these mistakes. So it's not an option to let this slide. It's time to wake up our friends, families, and everyone we know. It's time it's past time to get in the streets and demand Trump pence out now while we still can. September 5th, we'll be in the streets across the country from New York City to DC to Orlando, Missouri and Portland, from LA and Chicago to Honolulu. There is a complete list of locations at refusefascism.org and there's still time for you 
to call for a protest in your area. Call 917-407-1286 or email info at refusefascism.org if you want to get started but don't know where to begin. Today, we're sharing an interview with writer and activist Corey Hill. Then we'll listen to some of the voices of activists working to make September 5 happen and share a special poem an activist in Houston wrote for this occasion. Let's start with the big question. There are more people using the F word, fascism, than really ever before. Why do you think it is that more people now are recognizing that this regime is fascist? I think some of the moves that this administration has made are just so overt and so impossible to characterize in any other way that while legalistic maneuvers, erosions of norms might be something that you could kind of quibble over, for most people, seeing the military used against peaceful protesters, seeing people gassed, seeing people beaten, is imagery that we have come to associate just around the world with authoritarian regimes of people gathering to voice a concern and being hit with truncheons. That really shocked a lot of people. And I think it sort of caused them to retroactively examine some of those other things that had come previously. It's not in isolation. It's the it's the sum total of those things. So seeing Lafayette Square and then thinking, oh, well, what about, you know, Barr and the Mueller report? What about the Ukraine? I think people just aren't equivocating or trying to find some middle road of what we're going to try and call this and just call the thing what it is. And it's, it's refreshing to see that more in the mainstream. It definitely is for me as well. Then there's this gap between people who are able to put their pulse on what the problem is. They can name it, but they still are reserved about the solution. I feel like there's still a clinging. I'm not saying don't vote. People should vote. People should do everything in their power (laughs) to get him out. But there's this holding on to who'll accept the election or, or it will just automatically be a democratic win or that if he tries to do something, the military will save us or that, that all these institutions or these channels will still be there. Where do you think that comes from? Why do you think that gap still exists? I wish I had a concise answer to the why portion of that other than to say that I think as compared to even other democratic countries that have similar institutions to ours. In the United States, at least since kind of the early 20th century, we are sort of unique in our reluctance to mobilize people power in terms of a mechanism to address failures of our government. I don't know exactly why that is other than to say I think it's probably partially a result of sort of this American exceptionalism that permeates down to the core of a lot of folks thinking here, which is this sort of naive belief, okay, well, we have these norms and these systems that we've seen are inadequate to respond to somebody who doesn't feel the need to be constrained by them. I've always said there's no law against you show up to one of your kids' friends' birthday parties. There's no law that says, hey, you can't step in front of the six-year-old and eat his cake and then just laugh in his face. It's not against the law, but everybody knew you shouldn't do that. And so when you have someone like Trump come along, it's the equivalent of here's this person who every time he goes to the kid's birthday party, eats the cake and laughs in our faces. And then we're all thinking, oh, 
maybe there should have been some other mechanism for preventing this. And going forward, even though he's already done this 50 times, we keep thinking like, oh, well, the next birthday party is going to be different. Or this will be the time that he won't eat the cake. And so to me, this, this gap between now, very late in my mind, folks who were three and a half years ago saying that this is exactly where we will be were derided as being alarmist or saying that the sky is falling, etc. When very clearly this group of people made their intentions known from the beginning. This sort of thing shouldn't have been surprising to anybody. So I would say, yes, it's great that we're here of this analysis of there is a threat, but the gap is still huge between what the appropriate mobilization of response is. Here's a clear and urgent threat to rule of law, to democratic governance, X, Y, and Z. And our response is, well, let's hope all of these things that are sort of on their last legs hold up for this election. I agree with you. I participate in electoral politics. I think it's important, but I look at it as full spectrum engagement is what we need. Yeah, vote, register people to vote, participate, participate in primaries. Yes, of course. Republicans wouldn't be trying so hard to dismantle postal sorting machines if it wasn't important. But to me to say, okay, well, let's wait until November, as opposed to this is an urgent crisis, we have a moral obligation to say not one more day. Newspapers all across the country called on Bill Clinton to resign, not to delve too into the weeds of like my particular political philosophy. You can quibble over the details of whether or not that offense rose to the level of an impeachment. I think it's a little absurd, obviously, on its face. But not a single one of these institutions now says the equivalent for clear criminality through the roof. I still am, to this day, a little boggled by, okay, here's this huge problem. Everything is on fire. Here's a person and a set of people who have massive criminal liability if they don't any longer have the institutional safeguards of being in control of the Department of Justice. They have every incentive in the world to keep themselves in power. And the response of vote them out in November seems to me just like a fatal misalignment of threat plus appropriate response. I think that's a really good way of putting it, a misalignment between threat and appropriate response. I, like many others, I thought that there was so much substance to what Francis Fox Piven wrote about the danger in this election and him holding on to power and the need to be in the streets. But I was so deeply troubled by the fact that the main idea, and this has been taken up by many social movements, that we will take to the streets after he steals the election or after he refuses to leave. I mean, people should be in the streets then. But I think that if we're not doing it now, what kind of position are we going to be in then? Yeah, and I've had discussions among extended kind of family network about, well, if he tried to steal the election, no one would let him get away with it. We're talking about how do you ascend to the office of the presidency and, you know, confer the mantle of legitimacy. That didn't happen in the last election. I mean, there was very clear acceptance and coordination of help in that instance. And he is still here. So if your argument is predicated on the idea that automatically there will be some sort of safeguard that comes into place. People keep saying, oh, it's ridiculous. And oh, he's no longer the president. And oh, of course. But these aren't magical powers. It's not a sword that was pulled out of a lake. All of these things, systems of government, survive and fail based on what people put into them. 
and how we confer legitimacy. And in these sorts of instances, it's about power projection. If there is an instance where Trump and his cronies see a way that they can continue to stay in office fraudulently, and it's in their interest to do so, and they can get away with it, they will. And whether or not that happens between now and then is dependent on how we respond. It's not just up in the air. I think that's a really important point. I think Americans are very good at putting the responsibility on somebody else. Somebody else in power will do it, not me. And I think that's proven to be really dangerous in the past four years. If you have that sort of worldview, and this isn't meant to be judgmental, I don't, I don't mean it in that way. But I think a lot of the systems of thought that people generate, whether they're writing it down or just this kind of subconsciously, tend to absolve themselves of the need to actually do something. And again, not to get like too into the, the nitty gritty, but I've certainly had arguments with people who say, oh, well, they're both sides meeting in our two-party American system of politics. They're both just as bad. And if it wasn't Trump there and there was somebody else there and as the Democrats, they're controlled by corporations. Blah, blah, blah. Fine. You can make many arguments about the extent to which there is bipartisan agreement on military spending. But it's, it's frankly an absurd pro- proposition to say that it wouldn't have mattered either in 2016 or leading into, into this, which of these political entities has control of these and, and in the case of the presidency, which is now much more powerful than it was ever intended to be, it makes a huge difference who's there. Yes, the Democrats are flawed, but they're not an explicitly fascist white nationalist entity as the Trump administration is and as the GOP is slid into. Define your time frame. I would say that this was always inevitable for them. But this sort of working backwards to a conclusion where you then don't have to do anything is a trap that a lot of folks fall into. And, uh, and again, I'm not saying it's conscious or they're consciously saying, hey, I don't want to have to do anything. But when you arrive at these worldviews where there's nothing that can be done, they're both just as bad, blah, 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 blah. Your response is then, well, someone, like you said, someone else will take care of it. Or oh, I don't need to do anything. It is scary to confront the idea that you will have to take on some level of action that's different than what you've kind of been told your whole life was the range of civic responsibility. That's frightening to folks, but I think that it should also feel empowering to know here's this wider range. It's not just once every four years or you vote in midterms every two years and that's that. The government is a fiction that was created to provide something to you. And if it's not doing those things, then you can get out there and say, hey, this isn't working. And I feel like that should be empowering uh, as much as it is there's an element of kind of fear for some folks. I think that it's an important point for people to understand where their power lies and that they aren't helpless. And yeah. not only a responsibility, but there's, <laughs> there's an opportunity, there's hope, there's a way that this can change. And I think that if people don't have that, all there is is paralysis and yep. complicity ultimately, which people, in my opinion, have been very complicit over the past almost four years with atrocities that no one should accept. Nobody should have accepted the caging of children. Nobody should accept the banning of people based on coming from a nation that's majority Muslim. Nobody should be faced with repression just because of the color of their skin or having a certain ideology. And we've kind of accepted all of this. And at a certain point, And I think that point has come where people who do not act now are complicit. 
And I think that we don't go around jacking people up and saying, you're complicit as a way to get them to act. But there is a point of, it's now or never, people. The door is quickly closing on the future (laughs) for humanity without hyperbole. When you're talking to people about the importance of acting now, what are you telling people? To your earlier point, it's pretty striking to me to see even in a sort of staid forum like the pageantry of the Democratic National Convention, a fair number of these folks saying this is an election and this is a threat unlike any we've ever seen. And that's sort of the message that I think I'm constantly trying to convey to folks is it's not hyperbolic. It's not act now or now more than ever sort of email that you've gotten your whole life. This is it. And like you said, if you can't now see the criminality and the inhumanity of what this administration and its enablers and the wider ecosystem in which it operates has already committed and then extrapolate out how catastrophic that would be to allow this to continue one more day, not just wait until November to hammer that point home is that to say, hey, here's this administration that's done X, Y, Z, that's still doing these things, that some new horrible revelation comes out every day, your response should be, we need to do everything we can now. That doesn't preclude safeguarding mail-in ballots. That doesn't preclude wanting to protect the post office. I'm involved in all of that kind of work. However, it's a yes and sort of scenario. Yes and we should be saying every newspaper in the country should be calling a humdrum design. Every elected official from both parties should be disavowing this. But we're not saying that's the entity that's going to do this work for us. Most of the even minor concessions we've seen on racial justice weren't because of moral suasion. And that's something I keep coming back to is it's not that this group of people is suddenly realized that they are bad. They don't give a shit. The only thing that matters is that they've realized that there is a consequence. And that's something that I think a lot of people, but especially a certain segment of the left, Mm -hmm. uh, of which I would consider myself a part. But I read this book recently by Eric McVeigh, who I had on my program called Full Spectrum Resistance. And it had this sort of distillation. And I've been involved in a fair number of kind of movements on the left. It had this distillation of, look, if you're not winning... If you're not stopping this thing that is the greatest moral injury, the sort of lesser points don't matter as much. And so it it really is about, are you projecting the power that you have as a people to stop this moral injury now? And I think some of the other kind of infighting and lesser arguments to me should sort of fade away and it should be a broad anti-fascist coalition. Are you okay with fascism, with embracing Nazism? If not, you should be on this team. (laughs) And and all of the other fixing of the wiring of the house can take place after you put out the fire that's engulfed your house. I think that's a really apt metaphor. Is there anything else that you would want to add in terms of what you feel that people should be doing, resources that you highly recommend? Well, I'm obviously somewhat biased towards the nationwide organizing that's happening with Refuse Fascism. So I definitely, you know, urge folks to check out refusefascism.org in advance of an event that's happening September 5th and is intended to be a sustained, coordinated nationwide mobilization. 
I've seen some sort of folks who have some fears that sort of nationwide mobilization is a provocation or could potentially result in a worse outcome than simply waiting till November. And that's sort of an interesting point to me, which is, okay, well, there could be increased violence and repression, blah, blah, blah. On the balance sheet, do I think that that is likelier than the other outcome, which is do nothing, allow this to continue? I would say no, it doesn't seem likely to me. Is there a calculation of risk in any sort of activity? Of course there is. But to me, the greatest risk is to do nothing. And so that's why taking part, joining this coalition, recognizing that you're not going to agree with everybody in a coalition this broad on everything, but you're going to agree on the one proximate reason that you got together in the first place, which is to, to get rid of these criminal administration officials from power in a sustained, nonviolent way. That shouldn't be a hard sell, in my mind. That was Corey Hill. You can follow him on Twitter at News C. Hill. Next, we'll hear from activists, including Carl Dix, Jamel Mims, Emma Kaplan, and Luna Hernandez, and listen to a poem written by a Refuse Fascism supporter, read by Coco Das. I helped to call this protest because tonight Donald Trump is accepting the nomination of the Republican Party, closing out the RNC which was a celebration of fascism being hammered into place in this country. Law and order in Trump's world is the law and order of police who have a license to brutalize and murder, and increasingly white vigilantes who have a license to function as an unofficial arm with the police. That's law and order for them. And what they mean is that when they brutalize and terrorize us, we are supposed to suffer in silence. I refuse to accept that and I call on others to refuse to accept it. But I am still in the streets with you because this is where we need to be. And especially right now. Because this is a showdown over what the future of this country is going to be like. When the fascist in chief says my Second Amendment people can take care of this. He ain't just fronting, he ain't just jiving. He is threatening and promising. Some of his Second Amendment people were in the streets in Kenosha. If you looked at the videos coming out of there, you saw the cops giving them water, thanking them for being there. And then minutes later, one of these racist, fascist thugs murders two protesters and shoots another. Then he gets up and walks away, and the police let him walk by. Now let's think about this. The same police who shot Jacob Blake in the back seven times in, in, into the car where his children were, let a murderer with an automatic weapon walk past them, get in the car and drive across the state lines. Bullshit! They are telling you something. If you are part of the thousands of people that have been hitting the streets day after day and night after night, yeah. look, 
it is important and it is so beautiful. Go for it. What do you say? 90 days. Yes, indeed. Yes, Caitlin. 90 days. 90 days. 90 days. We need to be out in the streets to drive this regime out. And let's look. Portland, 90 days. And Lebanon, two days of on-the-street protests before they drove out their whole fucking regime. Those people went to sleep on Friday, hit the streets on Saturday and Sunday, and woke up on Monday with the whole political terrain shifted. We can and we must do exactly that, if not more here. The Black Lives Matter movement can drive out the Trump Pence regime if we demand it. Yeah. It is going to be on us to make that shift. And that's what you're a part of right now. That's exactly what you're a part of. Why do you have these signs that say Trump Pence out now? Why it's so important to link up these struggles. Because Black Lives will not matter under a fascist Trump Pence presidency, let me just be real with you. They have handcuffed Jacob Blake to his fucking bed after shooting him seven times in the back after unprecedented upsurge. Do you think black lives will matter under a fully consolidated Trump Pence presidency? When Donald Trump at the Republican National Convention, he gave a speech where he said that you know what? We could take care of those people in Portland in an hour with our Second Amendment people. And 48 hours later, in Kenosha, one of them did. In Kenosha, they shot people. They shot Black Lives Matter protesters. And this is a heartbringer of what is to come if we don't stand up now. And we gotta stand up now with the demand, Trump out now. That's gotta be the demand. That's gotta be the demand because you know what? We can't wait till November. Because what is gonna happen if he wins the election again? You think he's gonna let us do this here? He says he wants to send the police and the military in to get those thugs and those criminals. What do you think he means by that? This is why, this is why we are calling for people on September 5th, but starting now, to take to the streets in every city, every town, and not stop launching 60 days of struggle to demand the removal of this regime. Yeah. And I'm gonna say this white supremacy has always existed in this country from the foundation when they dragged the first slaves to these shores, when they did genocide on the Native Americans. And we need to get rid of this system through our actual revolution. That's what it's gonna take to put an end to murder by police. Look at what's happening now, where you have a situation in Kenosha where two people were murdered by a white supremacist Nazi thug. They were murdered in cold blood and Trump has blood on his hands. It's not a coincidence that you had the RNC for the last four days that invited the McCluskey couple, people don't know, they came out with their guns in St. Louis. They pointed at them at Black Lives Matter protests. And on and on, these Nazis in the RNC agitating, calling black people savages and all this, and Black Lives Matter protesters calling them terrorists. It's not a coincidence what happened in Kenosha that most is directly connected to the RNC. 
And it's not just them, it was, it was Heather Heyer, it was a person who just died in Austin. It's all of the brutality that has been happening. The criminalization of dissent is a key part of the consolidation of fascism. And we can't ignore that. We can't allow a situation where protests and saying Black Lives Matter becomes illegal. Because that's what these fascists are trying to do. That's what they're doing in Kenosha, and that's what Trump is trying to institute right now at the White House during his Nazi speech. But look, we can't just sit here and say, oh, it's all messed up. It's all bad. There's nothing we can do. But there is something we can do. If people are on social media, look at the people in D.C. right now. They're outside of the White House. They're saying Trump is out now. Hit the streets September 5. A battle for the future is now underway as rule of the fascists unfolds every day. It's time to mobilize and challenge their power. It's crucial. It's urgent. It's the need of the hour. Let's heed the call of September 5 and declare to the world that we are alive. In massive protests with a unified demand, hit the streets everywhere all across this land. Sustained, nonviolent, determined to stay. With daring and courage, protest every day. With power of the people, keep the pressure on and do not back down till the fascists are gone. Trump pence out now. We just cannot wait. Two futures are facing us. The hour is so late. It's really up to us which future do we choose. And the stakes are so high. We can't afford to lose. To all who see the urgent need to stop the great danger of the Trump-Pence regime. A vision statement from RefuseFascism.org. September 5th and 60 days of struggle. The vision begins with the following. On September 5th, we must make a living declaration to the world that we are uniting, we are organizing, we are determined, we are preparing to struggle with all we've got, starting now and not stopping until the Trump-Pence regime is driven from power and its fascist program brought to a halt. On September 5th, under the unifying demand of Trump-Pence out now, you should see the diversity of people who don't want to live in a fascist America. If you are one of those people, there is a role for you in making this happen. Find a protest near you by going to refusefascism.org and spread the word. Invite your friends. Donate now so that we can increase paid promotion of these events on social media and reach the millions who hate what is happening but don't know what to do. Join today by going to donate.refusefascism.org or Venmoing refuse-fascism. We're including this info in the show notes to make it as easy as possible for you to give generously right now. Thanks for listening to Inside Without Now.
In the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. See you in the streets, September 5th.